1: series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is j-a-e-f.foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it, and God was giving him some last-minute instructions before they set off. So, picture yourself as the commander-in-chief. How would you, as the commander-in-chief, instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seemed to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics, no. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting, right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law, now today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws, meditate them, ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put it in, put them into action, put God's statutes into action daily then by do by doing all the above it's inevitable that whatever you do you will prosper and have good success whether it's a business relationship romantic relationship mental health finances leadership physical health you name it just like joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land likewise god guarantees us Good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that but understand this that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble hard to deal with and hard to bear and Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times that we currently live in today, as a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with on the battlefield whether you like it or not accept it or not as a christian out in the world today you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day in fact i like to think of it as it's kill or be killed so the christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your christian walk the christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots we hope this series blesses your heart so open up your heart and mind and let's dive in
0: This rock can't hold us, cause the light has shown us. No fear is big enough to own us. We were never meant to fit in these folders. Know this, I ain't scared of these poses. Over time, we all face opponents. They thought they could mess with this focus. But they forgot the end of the climb's the coldest. Know this, life's a battlefield of moments. Hold this. We have a new one here. We preserve. You can't hold us
1: Welcome back to episode five of the Christian Checklist. We are talking about how it's imperative with the end times drawing nigh, it's imperative that every Christian believer should start being methodical about their Christian believer's walk of faith. Just like people who work in very high-risk environments have checklists that they follow in these high-risk environments. Likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, we should see to it that we have all our bases covered. It's very easy for us as Christians to get comfortable in the paths of our Christian walk that don't really stretch us and end up paying very little attention to the other areas of our Christian walk. And this can sometimes create blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. So the Christian checklist is a series of spiritual checklists that we can pull from the Bible and use them as a tool to do routine tune-ups in the different areas of our believer's walk of faith. In the last episode, we unveiled, we started talking about what I believe is the parent checklist of all. And I'm calling this one, The Seven Muscles of Christianity the seven muscles of Christianity. I believe that these are the fundamentals of the Christian faith. If you're not exercising all seven of these muscles, like an athlete, you won't be able to perform at your peak spiritual potential. As Christians, we all have a spiritual potential. And in fact, The whole Christian walk is about our three spiritual coaches, our heavenly Abba Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, training us to run the race and to finish the race. So for every Christian to perform at their peak spiritual potential or peak spiritual capability, They must exercise these seven muscles. You need to exercise these seven key spiritual muscles. Once again, I will list them out. I will then dive into more detail on how they work and relate to each other. And then in the next couple of episodes, we'll just be diving into more detail in each one of them. But right now, I just want to give you some kind of flow process of the seven muscles so that you can already be aware and start looking into these different muscles and how you can exercise them. And then as we keep on, digging up more information on how we can exercise each of them and why it's important to exercise each one of these muscles, you will be well-equipped to perform at your peak spiritual potential. So, this, this is the list of the seven muscles of Christianity. The first one was the Word of God. Number two was prayer. Number three was meditation. Number four was confession. Number five was praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Number six was generosity. Number seven was remembrance. And I explained that in case you were wondering, the Lord Jesus Christ exercised and exempted all seven of these muscles when he walked on the surface of the earth during his ministry on the earth, he knew the word of God. And scripture tells us in a couple of places, as his custom was, he woke up way before day and prayed. So there he goes. He was exercising muscle number two. He meditated the word of God. How do we know this? Well, Joshua 1 8 says, Meditate in this book of the law, for then you shall have good success. So, based on the success of the ministry of Jesus, based on the evidence of this of, of the success of his ministry, it's it begs to imply that he meditated on the word of God. And in other places, he also said, as I hear, I judge. He also said the son can do nothing apart from the father. So he was always in this state of pondering, what did the father do? What did the father say? And what is the father saying? What is the father doing? So he meditated as well. How about confession? Jesus always confessed the word. We're all very familiar how he approached Satan in the desert when he was fasting. He countered every attack of the devil with, "It it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he didn't stop there. When he came down from the mount, anointed of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, most of his ministry, Jesus spoke to things. He spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to storms. He spoke to sickness, disease, and pain. He spoke to dead people. Most of Jesus' miracles were performed through confession if not all of them. Jesus praised, worshipped, and gave thanks to the Father. We're familiar. He did this before performing miracles. When he fed the 5,000, and then the 4,000, it says he blessed it and gave thanks. Jesus remembered he was generous and compassionate. Let's start off there. Jesus was generous and compassionate. We said, how do we know this? Well, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Jesus of Nazareth says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. So Jesus did not just go about healing all the oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good. The word good in the original Greek, the word that is used there, also means ministering your substance. It talks about an act of being generous and compassionate. So Jesus was generous and compassionate. And then he also exercised the seven, the, the, seven, the seventh muscle, remembrance. Now, this has different dynamics to it. But what we know is that Jesus remembered his mission. He remembered his purpose, where he came from, who he was. He always spoke of things. He always he, he made a statement like you know, for this reason I am coming to the world. You know, to redeem, to save those who are lost. For this reason the son of God is coming to this world. He always remembered his identity. So remembering the muscle of remembrance has different components to it, and we will have a chance to look into that into further detail, Um, but there's a couple ways that you can do it. So, let's just, let me just, because there's going to be some, you know, we'll need to dive into every one of these seven muscles in more detail, but what I want to first Give you is kind of like a is is like a quick summary of some details about each and every one of these muscles and why we and how we can exercise them and why we need to and all of this. Let's start with the word of God. Muscle number one. The word of God is the foundation of everything, it's the core upon which all the other six muscles work. The water God is the foundation of everything. It's the core upon which all the other six muscles rely. It's the spiritual food. It's the fuel that drives the car. It's, 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 it's the spiritual food and fuel for all the other muscles to function. Scripture says, in the beginning, this is in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So right here you can see, it all started with the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. and very often people that don't know the word of god will very often use the phrase will use a phrase will use this phrase if it be thy will in their prayers if you if you if you you, you can't know the will of god for a situation if you don't know the word of god cuz the word of god is the will of god so if you don't know what the Word of God says about this situation, you are always going to pray, if it be thy will. The Word of God says, by his stripes you were healed. But you're going to pray for your healing and say, if it be thy will. That's very ignorant. You can't pray, if it be thy will, when the Word of God says, God is not a respect of persons. He healed them all. If he healed them all back then, then, when they were not even Christian believers, why wouldn't he heal you today? When you're born again, tongue talking and spirit filled. So people that are not very familiar with the word of God, that don't have a good understanding of the word of God, that don't have the word of God built up in them, always pray these kind of prayers. If it be thy will. The Lord will heal me if it's his will. That's very ignorant. And a lot of people die on if it be thy will to heal me. Because scripture says, my people are perishing because of lack of knowledge. If you do not know that it's God's will to heal you, you will die. Because you you will not be able to exercise faith. faith. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. Now, if you do not know that it's the will of God to heal you, your faith won't give substance to your healing. In fact, there's a scripture that also says um, knowing what the will of God is. Let me quickly see it. Uh-huh. Knowing what the will of God is. It says, I think it says something along the lines of be not ignorant. I mean, yes. This is this is in Ephesians. This is in Ephesians. And it says, Therefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you hear that? So you can't go around a lot of Christians think. It says, do not act thoughtlessly, but understand. It says, (laughs) I like some translations. They say, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what what the Lord's will is. Some other ones say, do not be foolish, but recognize what is the will of the Lord. So you can't go around always just praying, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. Don't be foolish. Go find out what the will of God is. The, wheel of, the word of God is the wheel of God. Anyways, that's what I want to first kind of talk about when it comes to the Water of God. This is the foundation of everything. If, yes, we'll dive more into this, but what I can say is that the word started everything, and it's the word that finishes everything. So you need to make sure that you exercise this muscle. How can how can you do that? You you have to read the word of God. You have to read the word of God. There's there's just no way around it. There is no way around this one. You have to read the Word of God. There's just no way around this one. I can't even think of anything. You have to know the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Now, you don't have to memorize and say everything from Genesis to Revelation. But you need to know what happens in every book of the Bible. You need to have an understanding of that book. You need to know, like, if we go from Genesis to Revelation, you need to be able to know, okay, this is what happens in Job. This is what happens in Esther. This is what happens in Judges. This is what happens in Song of Songs. This is what happens in the book of Psalms. This is what happens in Proverbs. This is what happens in Jeremiah. This is what happens in Ezekiel. This is what happens in Lamentations. This is what happens in Amos. This is what, you need to at least know a scripture. You need, you know, 66 scriptures. The 66 books, you need to know 66 scriptures. You don't need to quote them like verbatim, but you need to be like, okay, this scripture is in this book. This scripture, you need to know. At least you need to know something that happens in every book of the water god it's just the way it is a pilot does not enter cockpit and he doesn't know half of what the the manual says no so if you if you are not going to do this in the real world how much more when it comes to the things, to the spiritual things of life, because these things are weightier than the natural things. You have to know the word of God. There's just no way around it. You, you, if you walked into a hospital and they told you that that doctor only knows half of what they teach in medical school. You would not get in, You would not. You would not think of that doctor as credible. You would not. So we hold other people in different professions to a high standard, but we don't hold ourselves to the same standard, to the same level of accountability. You want when you get onto a plane that that pilot has ch- has checked every, has dotted every i and crossed every t. You want the doctor operating on you to have done all that they were taught in medical school and some. You want the person who you want your police officer, you want your military personnel, you want your lawyer to know everything in the book of the law. You want the person who's cooking your food to cross every I, I mean to cross every T and dot every I. Likewise, God expects you to know everything that's in the Word of God. It's his manual. There's only one book we have as Christians. It's not too much to ask. We read all these other books. We read every academic book that the curriculum curriculum says we need to read. We only have one book of the Bible, of our Christian walk. It's only one book. One book, and you have the rest of the whole of your life to read it. So there's no point in us in Christians walking around saying, I don't know what the book of Lamentation says, I don't know what the book of Nehemiah says, I don't know what, um, who's Gideon, who's Samuel, who's Jezebel, who's so and so, who's Daniel, who's David. You need to know, you need to read, you need to understand, you need to commit to memory of the Word of God. I'm sorry. It's the foundation of everything. And you will quickly see here that if you do not know the Word of God, everything else falls apart. Because if you don't know the Word of God, you're always going to be praying, if it be thy will. And you just had Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Anyways, let's go to muscle number two. Prayer. Prayer initiates communication with the headquarters of heaven. You need to exercise this muscle. Prayer initiates communication with the headquarters of heaven. But you have to understand, all prayer communication is word best god the father the lord jesus christ the holy spirit and all the ministering spirits and angels that have been sent forth to minister for you the only language that they understand and move on is the word of god if you don't speak the word of god angels don't move god doesn't move the apostle of your high priest the lord jesus christ the apostle and high priest of your confession, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, they don't move. So your prayer is based on the word of God. You pray the word of God. The most effective prayers are prayers where you pray the word of God. I started substituting all my mambo-jambo, all of the, uh, um it, just prayers. I, if, if there's a prayer, For healing in the Bible, that's the prayer that I pray. If there's a prayer for provision in the Bible, that's the prayer that I pray. If there's a prayer for wisdom in the Bible, that's the prayer that I go to and pray. It's as simple as that. Prayer is what initiates communication with the headquarters of heaven from whence your citizenship is. But as we know, God the Father, the Apostle and High Priest of your confession, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Comforter, the Holy Spirit, And even your angels that have been sent to minister forth for you, the only language they understand is the word of God. That's how, that's how things move in the spirit realm. So you can cry all you want and say, Lord, and say, Lord, I don't know Thy will, uh, and cry and say, you can do all you want. If you don't speak the word of God, you don't move the needle. So, All prayer communication that is outside the water, God, is noise to them. That's muscle number two. Let's go to muscle number three. Meditation. Meditation, meditation, meditation. This is so important that this scripture perfectly captures it. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I kind of like the way the KJV puts it. It sounds more of it. Sound it carries more weight. This is what. This is how. This is why you need meditation. It says, "This book of the law, what the Bible, God's instructions, the word of God." When it says, "This book of the law," just say, "The word of God," shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate therein in the word of God, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all. That is written therein. For then thou shalt make your way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. One of the things that I'm getting that I'm that is just really been is getting revealed to me is that there's two dynamics of the gospel. I mean, there's two ways that God works. You can either live your life on miracles and God's mercy, which is good, but there's the other side of Him, which is the blessing. You see, miracles, when God uses a miracle, that means He is suspending natural law. Miracles means suspending natural law. The blessing takes God's word. And it bears fruit through within the system. So when it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou, sh- but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. It's telling you that if you meditate, if you exercise this muscle of meditating the word of God, that you almost just start to effortlessly, things just start working out. You you make your own way prosperous and you have good success. It's like by just meditating on the word of God, you are guaranteed to prosper in all the things you do and have good success because you become the word. The word becomes, it just enters your whole spirit and it just, Feels every fiber of your being, your existence, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act. And it's almost like the moment you do that, like the the success of your life, for you to be prosperous in everything you do, becomes more dictated by you. Instead of when you don't know the word of God and you start praying, if it be thy will, you, you are not doing the things that you're supposed to do that the word of God says, then now you have to live a life based on miracles and based on the mercy of God. Because now God has to intervene for where you haven't meditated to where you failed to put his word into motion to bear fruit. So now he almost has to intervene with miracles. Because you see, Proverbs chapter 4 for instance, tells you how you can live a life filled with divine health. But if you don't do that, then you end up in a situation where you're sick. And God forbid that it's a um, terminal illness, then you need a miracle to get you off your deathbed. But listen to what Proverbs chapter 4 says. It says, my son, attend to my words. It's talking about meditation there. But he'll he'll even mention it just in the next. This is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For my words are life unto those that find them. And health... To all their flesh. That's what verse 22 says. It says, For my words are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. The original Hebrew there, where it says health, actually says medicine. So you can live in an aura of divine health by just meditating in the word of God because it's healing, it's medicine to you. Right? But when you don't do this and you end up falling sick, you know, you become sickly, you're always sick. Then now you always have to rely on miraculous healing for for you to be redeemed. But there's a better way to do it. So you need to exercise this muscle called meditation. Meditation, basically, let me just add another definition to this. Meditation conceives the Word of God because it's intimacy with the Word of God. Revelation is conceived by meditation. Meditation turns the Word of God from just information in your mind into revelation in your spiritual womb from which then rivers of living water come out of that bears repeating you see meditation is so powerful and that's why the scripture says by meditating in this water God you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success because meditation conceives the water of God why because when you meditate it's how you have intimacy with the water God everyone knows how children are birthed it's when a man and a woman have intimacy and conception comes about so when you meditate you're basically having intimacy with the water of God and when you do that revelation is conceived so meditation turns the water of God from just information in your mind into revelation in your spiritual womb from which then rivers of living water come out of it. Divine health comes out of, Uh, financial prosperity comes out of, Uh, spiritual prosperity comes out of, righteousness comes out of, generosity comes out of, love comes out of, everything is just birthed automatically. You see, you can be sure that if a husband and wife are intimate with each other, it's only just a matter of time until there is conception. That's how the Word of God happens. That's what meditation does. It conceives the Word of God because when you meditate, you get intimate with the Word of God. And then revelation is conceived, it's birthed. So meditation turns the Word of God from just information in your mind into revelation into your spiritual womb, from which then rivers of living water come out of you. What's the next muscle? Muscle number, so we've spoken about the Word of God, prayer, meditation. Now let's go to confession. Muscle number four, confession. Confession is very key. Nothing happens without confession. Because confession basically releases the faith that you have birthed from meditation. Oof. Confession is what you release, what you've meditated upon. Basically, when you meditate on the Word of God and you've conceived something in your spiritual womb, how you release it is through confession. Confession releases the faith in us. We can only release our faith by confessing it. Confession is how we put the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, into action. Confession is how we put the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, into action. That's why Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, this was in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 24, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, you see, Jesus didn't say, whosoever shall pray unto this mountain. You see, there's a time for prayer. You, you pray about things, but when you're praying, you're communicating with headquarters, heaven. You basically, when you pray, you're getting, okay, you're saying, okay, did I get this right? Uh, is this, uh, am I, do I have clearance to take off? Do I have um, the go ahead to fire at the enemy? Okay, so you see like how pilot uh think about like uh fighter pilots. A fighter pilot will normally have instruction from uh the war room. So the the fighter pilot will see the enemy and and so that and then he'll talk to uh communication center, the war room. That's prayer. So the fighter pilot is saying, "Okay, the enemy is within sight. What should I do?" You know? That's prayer with the father. He's saying okay, Lord, sickness is coming, is coming to invade my family. What should I do? I'm going to resist it, standing on your word. And then, you know, the, the, the headquarters says, Go ahead, you have full authority. By his stripes, you were healed. Fire. Boom. How do you do that? Confession. That's that's how this thing works. Prayer goes, okay, headquarters um uh, my rent is due um this thing called debt is trying to come on me um these bills are trying to surround me what should i do headquarter and the father says son i've supplied all your riches all your needs have been supplied according to my riches in glory through your lord jesus christ fire boom what do you then say? You say, I am dead free. Boom. That's that's how this thing works. Prayer is initiating communication with headquarters. Confession is for the enemy. That's why Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. He didn't say, whosoever shall pray unto this mountain. Oh. You know? So the difference between prayer and confession is that prayer is to the Father or to the Lord Jesus Christ. Confession is to the enemy. Confession East to the mountain. You see, Jesus didn't go around saying, Lord Jesus, I pray that uh, uh, you will heal this woman with an issue of blood. You will heal this blind man. You will heal this man who's who, who's lame. You will heal this person who's maimed. No. He, went, he had already communicated with the Father, and he knew what the will of the Father was. He had already meditated. He had already prayed up. He was already prayed up. All of this was said. So when it was time to attack the enemy, he said, Deaf and blind spirit, I bind you. Woman, thy faith has made you whole. Rise up and walk. Woman, thou art loosed from your infirmities. No man shall eat fruit of thee from here on hence forever after. Peace, be still. That was all confession. So you can be a Christian has done all the other things but when it's time to be on the battlefield and you don't have this muscle exercise of confession you are gonna lose you are gonna lose the battle if you've prayed up and whatever the father is saying yes my daughter you have full clearance attack strike fire take the enemy out target locked but if you keep on saying um communication uh, asking for pe- asking for permission to fire. You're praying, asking for permission to fire. Headquarters says, permission granted. And you have the target locked in sight and it's not confessing the word. It's, boom, enemy takes you out. Next thing you know, you're in heaven. You're 44 years old, died prematurely. And you're saying, Lord, what happened? He said, son, I gave you permission to fire. But that's okay you're in a far more glorious place that's how that, that's how christians die they do all the other things but they cannot confess the word of god when you are in the midst of a storm that's not when you're praying that's you've already prayed up. you already prayed up you already meditated you know the word of god it's time to fight when you're in the middle of an exam is not the time to study You've done all of these things. Now is the time to answer the test. When you're on the battlefield, it's not the time to train. It's not the time to ask your commander, "Um, what should I do here? No, no, that's already happened. It's time to fight, boy. And that's confession. The scripture says, Jesus is the high priest, and apostle of your confession. It also says, hold fast unto the Hold fast unto your confession. Some translations say profession, but it actually means confession as well. Revelation says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What did they testify? They testified the word of God against the enemy. So you have to exercise that muscle. Let's go to number five. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. This is the spice of your Christian walk. This this is the spice, man. You can win some battles, but if you want to win all battles, you need to exercise this muscle of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. This is the spice of your Christian walk. Think of it as a chef or as a restaurant, or someone who's just cooking up a meal. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving is that sweet smell. It's the aroma that your Christian walk gives off. Without this spice in your Christian food, in your spiritual food, anyone that tests your food doesn't come back for more. When you don't give praise, worship, or give thanks to the Father, He doesn't like being around you. It's the spice. Always think of this. You can cook food. Man, if you don't put salt in that thing, that thing doesn't taste good. So think of praise, worship, and thanksgiving as salt. In fact, the scripture says, if you lose your saltness, you become you, you become useless. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving is the salt to your food. This is really the only way we can give back to the Father directly and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise will open the gates of your midnight hour. Remember Paul and Silas? Praise will open the gates of your midnight hour worship reveres and honors the father and the lord and thanksgiving acknowledges that you know and understand where everything is coming from so that's that's kind of how you can differentiate all them praise is 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 glorifying worship is more like reverence honor Thanksgiving acknowledges that you know and understand where everything is from. So when I wake up and I say, Lord, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am thanking him for my breath of life. I am thanking him for my abilities. I am thanking I am acknowledging that my safety is in his hands. I am acknowledging him for my well-being. I am acknowledging him for my victories. Thanksgiving says, it's not by my power. It's not by my might. It's by your spirit, Lord. So praise, worship, and thanksgiving, this muscle that has three tendons or whatever you want to call it, attached to it, it's like salt. If you don't have it in your food, it doesn't taste good. If you don't have praise, worship, and thanksgiving mixed into your prayers, they don't taste good. They don't smell good to the Father. I mean, he takes a a, a bite of it, and he just says, that doesn't taste good. I don't want that. And you do not want to be the kind of person that forces the Father to eat your food. You don't want him to eat it just because. You want him to just sit at the table of your prayers and just say, this smells good. Because the mom, even before he opens it up, Man, praise, worship, and thanksgiving is the first thing coming out. And then as he's looking into the pot, oh, he sees a little, he sees a prayer request in there and says, oh, absolutely, daughter. But why, why, why is he moved? The praise and worship and thanksgiving, even in tough situations. So this is another muscle that you have to exercise. Let's go to the next one, generosity. Muscle number six, Generosity generosity this activates and puts in motion the laws or the kingdom principles of giving and receiving generosity scripture says in genesis for as long as heaven and earth heaven and earth may pass away it says for as long as the earth remains there will always be seed time and harvest So generosity is how you activate the kingdom principles of seed time and harvest, giving and receiving. Give and it shall be given back unto you. You reap what you sow. This muscle, you can either exercise it through your kingdom generosity or your generosity outside the kingdom. You know, you can either give to kingdom needs, meet the needs of those within the kingdom of God, or, and as well, it's not either, or. You want to do both. So you can either do it within the kingdom context or outside of the kingdom. But generosity, this is a universal law. Scripture says, give and it shall be given back unto you. So whatever you give, it's what will be given back unto you. People like to call this, oh, the law of karma and whatever. No, you can call it that, but the principle came from the Bible. Give and it shall be given back unto you. When you sow love, you receive love. When you give money, you receive money. When you give time, you receive time. When you're generous with other people, you receive generosity. So generosity is what activates and puts in motion the laws are the kingdom principles of giving and receiving. Let's go to muscle number seven, remembrance. Now, a lot of people may not think that this muscle is important, but you need this muscle. You need to exercise the muscle remembrance. This is a very special, unique spiritual muscle. It's like those tendons or ligaments that connect the big muscles together in the body. You see, when you have these big muscles in your body, think physiologically the big muscles are not connected by big tendons or whatever. No, no. It's always the, 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 the the, the smaller tendons or ligaments that attach, you know, like the Achilles attaching your leg to your foot. So remembrance, is very unique, special spiritual muscle. It's like those tendons or ligaments that connect different muscles together in the body. All throughout scripture, we read this phrase, thou shall remember the Lord thy God. Thou shall remember the Lord thy God. This muscle is primarily exercised uh, I will say through writing or journaling, because you can't, you can't re- just say I remember in my head. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. This muscle of remembrance is primarily exercised through writing and journaling. Every Christian needs to have their own book of remembrance. Every Christian should be a journaler. You need to practice the habit of writing things down you just need to i never used to be good at this it was the hard one of the hardest things for me to do and then i started doing it and then i kind of fell off of it and then i started doing it again and now i'm writing every second i have a physical journal but i also have an online journal because sometimes it's just too much to write and these uh you can easily fill up your books but In the midst of the day something good happens to me i just quickly type it down a thought comes to me and i'm like that's from god i quickly type it down god's always going to be speaking to you so if you do not remember you're going to miss half of the things he says to you you're going to be saying ah i remember this dream Ah, i don't remember Ah, i think it was this i think he said this always write down things just we are always on our phones Learn to use the, the things of the world scripturally. We are always on our phones, looking on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, and doing all these things, and, but we don't spend enough time remembering or writing down, dealing with our own spiritual walk. If I ask you today, how many things have you written down that the Lord spoke to you, the Lord is always speaking. He's always speaking. The Lord is always speaking. He's always speaking to us. He's always So I've, I've got into this habit of just writing down things all the time. I've, I've got an online journal. It's always open. Something happens, I either put it down in my instructions from the Lord or into my journal. And I'm always writing. I'm always writing. I'm, I'm trying to be more grateful. I don't have, you know, if something good happens to me, I just quickly go into my gratitude online. I said, Lord, thank you for doing this. I know this was you. So, every Christian should be a journaler. You need to practice the habit of writing things down. Write down what you're grateful for. Write down what you're thankful for. The moment it happens, just take the, just put it down. You also need, remembrance is, is, can be exercised. We're talking about writing and journaling. And in fact, this muscle is more like active remem, remembrance. But Right now, we'll just call it remembrance. So you need to write down, um, you need to write down your thoughts from the Lord, the things that the, uh, what I wanted to say is you need to write down the visions God gives you, the dreams that God gives you. If you wake up and you just had a dream and you're like, I think that is from God, you need to write it down because you'll forget them and that could cost you. You need to write down your thoughts. You need to write down the questions you have for God. You need, you know, when you're preparing, the scripture says, Israel, prepare thyself to meet the Lord. During the day, when you're just having so many things, so many questions are coming up, write all of them down. And then later on at night, when you're going to meet with God, you have all these questions written down. And you go in front of Him and say, okay, Lord, this happened today. Was this from you? I'm not sure about this. What should I do with this? You need to have all those things written down because then your spirit. Will communicate them in fact I, instead of um this muscle i think using the word remembrance could even be a bit misleading. maybe we'll i'll i'll, I'll change this one and call it writing yeah I think the best way to refer to this seventh muscle is writing because you can exercise remembrance by writing. The seven, the seventh muscle, we're going to call this one writing and journaling, writing or journaling, because you need to write down, as I say, the questions that you have before you go to meet the father, uh, you need to write down your Psalms your own psalms to him. You need to write down your hymns. You need to write down the spiritual songs. You you, you need to always be intimate through active writing and and, and journaling with the Father. This is a very, very key uh, spiritual muscle that you need to exercise, writing and journaling. Because through this, you get to remember. You get to remember what the Lord has done for you. You get to give gratitude. You see, every transaction in the world is recorded or written down. Every transaction in the world is recorded or written down. Laws, constitution, house purchases, statements for trials. Every single transaction in the world is written down. How much more our spiritual transactions with our heavenly father. If you don't practice the habit of writing and journaling what God has done for you or instructed you to do, you will forget. It's that simple. You will forget it. You know, God could have just spoken the Ten Commandments and left it at that. But where there is no record, there is no evidence. The only way you can the only way something can be produced as evidence is if it was recorded, either verbally or through writing. You see, God could have just spoken the Ten Commandments and left it at that. But why did he labor to write them down? Everything God ever told us, he everything God ever told us, everything he ever said he has done for us, everything he ever said he will do for us, he always instructed someone to write it down. You try to think about it. If this Bible was not written down, if all we knew from this Bible was, how much of it do you think would have been passed down? If the Lord did not have the Holy Spirit inspire men to write down the things he wanted us to know. What if we, all, all we had was, yeah, uh, Father Abraham said this, and that's all that was passed down to us? You, no one would take it serious. You'd be like, where was it? Where was it written down? Did he ever write it down? Like, where's the record of it? So everything God has ever told us, said he has done for us, said he will do for us, he always instructed someone to write it down. God wrote to us through his word. Likewise, we must write back to him through our own words as well. God reads your letters. God reads your journal. He appreciates it. When you take time to write or to journal, just to reiterate, That's just an overview of how all of these muscles work. And I just wanted you to kind of know why you need to have all and exercise all seven of these. Just to reiterate, for any Christian to perform at their peak spiritual potential or peak spiritual capability, you must exercise all seven of these muscles. You have to. You have to exercise all of them. You really have to. In fact, how often? You know, if not daily, at least every other day. If not daily, at least every other day. Let's use the example of a professional athlete. During the course of seven days, they might have days when they work on every aspect of their fitness or on every aspect of their game. And of course there are days when they might set aside There might days they might set aside to work on specific muscles especially if they notice if they notice some weakness in those areas of their fitness or in some areas of their game but without a doubt every professional athlete will give attention to every part of their fitness or practice every component of their game within the span of seven days good athletes will do that every other day whereas the greatest athletes will do this every day so they might not exert the same intensity every day they might not train every muscle with the same intensity every day but they will give it some form of attention you see i don't i i can quickly exercise these muscles all seven of these muscles every day. I can read a scripture. I can pray. I can spend the day meditating on the promises of God in my life. I can make a confession to a situation that I'm dealing with. I can take five minutes to praise worship and give thanks. I can even do it actively by even giving an offering. Um, you know, worshiping him with my resources, my time. I can be generous with my offering. I can practice generosity within the kingdom of God, or I can exercise generosity by buying someone else a coffee. And I can actively practice, exercise the muscle of writing or journaling by writing down what I'm grateful for today. So you can actually exercise all seven of these muscles every day. And that is what will make you perform. That is what will, give, will enable you to perform at your spiritual, at your peak spiritual potential. You have to start thinking of your Christian walk as a professional athlete. In fact, more than a professional athlete. Every day. You have to you have to just routinely exercise all seven of these muscles. Sometimes you'll spend more time in prayer. Sometimes you spend more time reading the Word of God. Sometimes you spend more time writing and journaling. Sometimes you spend more time in generosity. Sometimes you'll spend more time confessing. Sometimes some of the time you spend a lot of time praise worshiping and thanksgiving. But all in all, you have to exercise all seven of these muscles for you to perform at your peak spiritual potential. Selah. This was episode five of the Christian Checklist series. In the next episode, we'll continue exploring the seven muscles of Christianity. Which spiritual muscles should we as Christian believers routinely exercise in our believers' walk of faith? Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
0: In this style with Adam, man put his neck in the learn for the apple. And the serpent tried deceiving Eve, so I don't play with a word that's like gravel. Now I ain't able to rock like Cain, cause man's doing up, praise in a chapel. But I don't care about ops and a lot, cause my god is the rock and I don't mean gravel. Demons crumble, cook like apple. Man, then wanna send shots, but I hold that still like mannequin challenges. I've been under the sun like Africans, while man's in a war like Anakin and don't be daft. I will invade your mask, invade your heart with a word, all scars. It's who can raise the blade, I'm leaving a mark. Matthew, John, aim at your dark. I'm from the east with a man, then my my waist, they're holding big hammers, and I don't mean for. Still, am I rolling my ones, cause my god's fantastic, I don't need for. My old friend I give me a machine, but for never about warfare in the Lord. But now I don't need a machine, can't hook in the spirit, and I roll with a sword. Really out here in a garden, no yardman, but I'm planting trees. Gotta sow my seed in here, and I don't mean weed. Lucky faith like Moses, close to the edge but I'm parting seas How can a man not believe, eternal life and the price is free So all in a man then I want to make pee Well take note, cause it's changing me Man on fire, I'm really inflamed Funny how I still make demons freeze Now I'm still sending the enemy shots Oh that's still like man said cheese That's demons rap like white and deep. The seven souls of God let loose revelation. Angels judge for burning sensations. You get twisting bits, annihilation. Don't miss the boat of salvation. Kingdom, family, Elisha, Enoch. Until we meet bloody demons on a beatbox. Some say I make classic music. Me, I still moonwalk in my Reeboks. Ever heard about the lake of fire? It's smiting like hell with the heat hot Greatest man, that's John the Baptist. Rapper soul, with the rapper, they rap this. Dance hot, heart, putting love in the savages. God has got cabbages. Truth on the spirit is dump, peace and kindness. in the earth to give sight to your blindness. Really out here in the gardens, my department, Lord Adam and Eve I see snakes in the leaves, like my dogs, but we dust off fleas Hearts cold, sub zero and freeze, Get to the my kingdom cheese. I used to drink milk, now it's meat and beef, his power's in me, I can walk on seas Really, really, really out here in the garden, no yard man, but I'm planting trees got so much seed, in here and I don't mean weed Keep faith like Moses, close to the edge, but I'm parting in How can a man them not believe? Eternal life and the price is free So all in the man them I wanna make pee Well, take note, kid changing me Man on fire, really inflamed Funny how I still make demons freeze Now I'm still sending the enemy shots Oh, that's still like man said cheese That's demons wrapped like white and You see the enemy, he a deceiver Speak truth, thoughtful, like I'm a